There's not many things quite as nice as falling asleep in a comfortable chair after a nice uh, Sunday lunch. I mean, you think about it, you get all your yard work done on Saturday. Jenny and I worked outside quite a bit yesterday. And then, uh, you know, you get up in the morning, go to church, be with God's people is always a good thing for me. Go home for lunch. Sit down to your favorite lunch, whatever that might be, chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, corn, coleslaw, good bread. And then you, you, you eat until you're comfortably full. And then once you're comfortably full, you go over to your favorite chair. Thank you, sir. And you sit down in your favorite chair and put your feet up. And your head back and see if you can count to 10. I'm telling you, it is, it is a wonderful nap. About the only nap I can remember that's better than that is the one before the drugs wear off after a colonoscopy. I'm telling you, that's a, if you fear a colonoscopy, trust me, the nap afterwards is wonderful. It's like one of the best things. But the, the, the whole picture, you know, of what it is, that's the closest, you know, that's a, when I think, when I think of the Sunday afternoon nap, that's the picture that came to my mind when I thought about being content. And what it feels like to be content. What a great, what a great picture it was for me. Nice, relaxing, comfortable, easy to sleep. That's the joy of being content, and the joy of being content is what we're going to look at today. Let's pray, and we're going to get into our passage. Father, thank you so much for those things you bring into our lives. And as Emily was singing, what a great place to be with you watching over me. Whoa. We need that. We need that reminder. We need that in our life. We need it in our living and as we sit here, Father, we mentioned earlier that some of us, it's just, it's tough. It's hurting. Boy, we need to know of your presence, that contentment. So guide us from your word today, I pray, that your spirit would minister in ways maybe we didn't expect, uh, in areas maybe that we weren't thinking about. But bring us to that place of knowing what it is, what that, that joy of contentment. Bring us to that place where we will know what that really is and to be able to dwell there with you. Thank you for the time that you've allowed me to share. I pray that, that you guide, direct, and apply your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, so turn there if you haven't already. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. It's on page 1083 in the Pew Bible. And, uh, you know, being content, that's just, that's just a great place to be. I think we would all, you know, we would all choose contentment. At least we would say we would prefer that. But here's the, here's the struggle for us. Some of us actually work against being content. We make choices that, that work right and fly right in the face of being content, sometimes without realizing it. Now there's sometimes, you know, sometimes it's because we don't know how to get to that, to that place of being content. You know, we don't know how to get to that place. And so we kind of rumble around, fumble around, bumble around, and we, and we, and you know, and contentment isn't there. But sometimes it's also because we misunderstand what contentment really is. 
We misunderstand it so we don't head that way. We don't head that way because it seems unattractive to us, not being content, just the way, the method in which to get there, and so we don't even want to go that way. What I hope today is that we leave with a better understanding, first of all, of what it means to be content, Uh, but also, you know, that we get to that place of living in the joy of being content. Verse 10, drop down to verse 10, Philippians chapter 4. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. Now, we're going to pause there. Actually, we're going to stop there because we'd be here too long to try to get through the rest of the chapter. We're going to finish, I'm hoping, finish up the study of the chapter next week. But notice what he says here. Paul mentions uh, rejoicing specifically the way the Philippians brought rejoicing to Paul by remembering him. You know, they, he says, I rejoice. Why? Because you remembered, you remembered. It's nice to know someone cares. Isn't it? I mean, it really is. Think about it. Think about, you know, when you, you know, when you got, uh, even sometimes just a card, a simple card. You know, now if it's got a lot of stickers on it, you know, Barb sent it. You know, but, but, but see, but even knowing that, I mean, it says you see the envelope with the stickers on it, you know, there's, there's a little bit of encouragement right there. I remember when, um, when uh, my mom passed away and I got a card, I'm pretty sure from every single family and person in this church. And just the sheer number of them was an encouragement. I mean, you know, and, and in times when we need, you know, when we need those things, it's just nice to know someone cares. You know, you may think that you, you care about someone, and you actually might care about someone, here's one of the challenges for us, then let them know. Let them know you care about them. That's how you build a relationship. Think about it. You built a relationship, you know, whether it's with a husband or a wife or with, you know, with your friends. You built those relationships because you were able to communicate to them that you cared. In some way or another, to some degree or another, you communicated to them that you care. And as you did that, this relationship then was built. That's also how you can help another person rejoice, by letting them know that you care, by letting them know that that they matter. What you'll find when you do that is that it brings joy to yourself as well. Does it ever feel good to do what we we often refer to as the right thing? It does. It does. We all also know that that, uh, those feelings of, I wish I would have, but we didn't. Well, then, 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 then do it. You see, do it and 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 share that. Uh, you know, God has a great way of bringing encouragement, right when we need it. You know, right when we need it, and it's just, you know, it, it's just right there. And and sometimes we really need it. Life is challenging. Life is hard. And sometimes it, we look at it and it's like it almost comes as a surprise to us. But do we remember what Jesus said? In this world you will 
have tribulation. King James, that's what I memorized it in. Sorry. Uh, I'm not, actually, I'm not sorry. But, you know, but uh, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have problems. You will have challenges. You will have pain. You will have suffering in this world. He goes on, he says, but, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome these things. You know, and this is what he's, this is what he's talking about here. You know, we, life, life, we need encouragement. Now, instead of thinking about yourself, realize that God also wants to use you to be that encouragement to others. He wants to use you to be an encouragement to others. Simply knowing the Philippians cared here caused Paul to rejoice greatly, he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Why? Because you remembered me. Because you thought about me. He says, you know, because you showed your care for me. That word care, it means to take thought, to be mindful of. I rejoiced in the Lord because you took thought of me. I rejoiced in the Lord because, you know what? You let me know that you were mindful of me. You let me know, you let me know I wasn't alone. Okay, we know we're not alone. God's with us and all that stuff and all these other things. But isn't it nice to know that somebody's actually thinking about you? And this is what he's saying here. Let, let people know you are mindful of them. Let them know this. Now here's some good news for you. It's not too late to show you care. And the best time, the best time, well, do that now. Don't be dragged about down about all the regrets of the times I would have, I would have, should have, could have, and didn't. You know, instead realize that you still have that opportunity to encourage some people. You still have that opportunity to lift some people up. You, know, you still have that opportunity to let them know that you are mindful of them. To let them know that you care. When you know somebody's facing a challenge, you know, a challenging circumstance, like Paul. Paul's under arrest here. He wrote this to them while he was under arrest. He didn't write this to them after he was free and everything was hunky-dory, whatever a hunk of dory is. But, you know, he didn't write this to them for that. What he, what he wrote to them, he said, well, he's in the midst of these problems. And he says, dude, you have caused me to have a, just, just, just you picked me up. I'm, and he was still in jail. It didn't change his circumstances. It changed his, it, it changed it, it just his whole feeling. He was lifted up. He was still under arrest. He was still there. But, you know, here it was. He was under When somebody's in trouble, they particularly need to know that you care. Let them know that you care. Send a card. Better yet, make a call. Even better, go visit. I don't know what I'd say. Take it, take it, be Job's friends for the first two weeks. Say nothing, don't say anything. You know, for the first week, don't say anything. You don't always have to. You can just say, you know what, I, I, I care about you. That's a great thing to hear. You know, it, it, don't, don't wait for a funeral to go visit. Some families only get together at funerals. Stop waiting for the next person to die. You know, make those contacts. Seize the opportunity to show you care. Seize it. 
You see it's there. Now take care of that opportunity to show you care. That will help someone else to know what it is to be content. Just as the Philippians did for Paul here, to let them know, to let Paul know that they were mindful of him, that alone helped him feel content here. And it will also help you toward contentment. Now, contentment does not fall out of the clear blue, all right? Understand that. Look at what it says in verse 11. For I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. And here's where you go, oh, yeah, I know what this guy's going to say. No, you know, listen to what God's saying. I have learned to be content. You know, contentment is a learning process. Understand that to begin with. This doesn't mean that, you know, you, you learn to just suck it up and, you know, uh, that's not what he's talking about here at all. You need to understand, lack of contentment has a very high price tag. Lack of contentment has a high price tag financially. It has a high price tag emotionally. Lack of contentment has a high price tag physically. It has an extremely high price tag. When, we're, when we are not content, we seek out things we don't need. We seek out things that can actually destroy us. We seek out things that actually can make things worse. We sometimes seek out relationships that are detrimental to us. We seek out solutions that put us in bondage. Physically, drugs, alcohol. Emotionally, you know, with this dependence on it. Financially. Because... Sometimes we buy things that we don't need because we think that will bring contentment, that that's, that's, that'll bring us contentment, and what we find out is they don't. I get a kick out of all the storage, out of all the storage facilities we have now in Fort Wayne. You know, it, was, it wasn't, they, they weren't all there when, um, you know, when I first moved here. We've gotten a lot more of them. Because we have a lot more junk. We have a lot more stuff we went after to find contentment. You know, I mean, I have, I have a lot of junk too. You know, but here's the problem. You know, when we go after that and we think that that's what's going to bring contentment. And what happens is those purchases usually lead to more purchases because we think just a little bit more. Just a little bit more will bring contentment. And, you know, I told you before, uh, you know, one of my things is if a little good, if a little is good, more is better. That's a guy thing. You're tightening up a bolt, and if a little is good, more is better until it breaks. You know, the whole thing. But, but see, it's, you know, this is the way we sometimes, if a little is good. And what happens then is we, we get into this whole thing of and lack of contentment, you know, being, you know, lack of being content. Sometimes it leads to purchases simply because the act of purchasing, we think, brings us contentment. Don't raise your hand, but do any of you have... Don't raise your hand. You just talk to God about this for a second. Any of you still have things at home with the price tag on it? Because you didn't bother to use it yet? I go to auctions sometimes for entertainment. And... uh, 
one of the things I've started that I've that I've started to do, uh, I, I go to auctions now looking for pots and pans. And I'm telling you this because uh, maybe you'll get the opportunity to do this, and if you do, it's a good thing. And buy the pots and pans because you know what they, they they're going to sell all your pots and pans for a few bucks. I don't want to break your heart, but that's what's going to happen. Unless they're cast iron, then it'll be a little more. But, you know, all your pots and pans and all the stuff that, you know, maybe you spent so much time working on it and looking on it, they're going to sell your pots and pans, and they might might get 10 bucks. Okay, buy them and bring them to the mustard seed, because the mustard seed supplies people who have to rebuild their homes for a variety of reasons, from fire, through getting out of drugs, through coming out of jail, through, you know, stupid choice. And, and, and they, they help people get back on their feet, and they supply them with some of the basic necessities, mattress, you know, a, a, a bed, a dresser, you know, pots and pans. So anyway, uh, that's where I'm going, and I, don't, I got off the, on a commercial there, and uh, that wasn't the point uh, that I was trying to make. You know, uh, you know, the, 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 but that whole pursuit, I, I see people go and, and we buy and sometimes you go and you can buy things at the auction with the price tag still on it. Never been used. And again, I don't want to pressure anything. Most of your life's going to be sold on a table full for six bucks. Just all that, all that stuff you bought for contentment. That's just the way it works out. The problem is that we're trying to buy contentment. Not trying to learn to be content. We're not trying to learn to be. This is what the scripture says. Learn. I have learned to be content. Not I have purchased my way into contentment. I have learned to be content. Lack of contentment leads to worry, aggravation, anger. All of those have a physical toll on you. Every single one of those, worry, aggravation, anger, they all take a physical toll on you. In many different ways, you know, you know, from ulcers to heart attacks. There's many misunderstandings about being content. Now, what you need to understand is learning to be content does not mean you learn to settle for less. That is a very common misunderstanding. We think that learning to be content means we need to learn to settle for less. That's not what, that's not what it means at all. It, it doesn't say learn. It doesn't say that I have learned to settle for less. It, it's not, that's not even what it's addressed about. I, I think contentment shows that you have realized the worth of what you do have. And you realize the worth of where you are. Now, don't be thinking physical and tangible assets that you buy and sell. Paul was under arrest when he wrote this. He didn't have much. He didn't, in fact, if people didn't come in to help him, he would have, he would have died. Because that's just the way the prisons ran back then. He was facing the possibility of death. Not a situation that leads itself to being content. Quite the opposite, in fact. Having that possibility of death staring you in, now we can say, well, I'm ready to die. Yeah, we are, but guess what? Nobody here wants to go through that process. So he's, he's telling us, you know, and telling us to, to, to learn to be content. Realize the worth of what you do have. Realize where you are and the worth of where you are. Begin your thinking with that relationship you have. Leading the pack is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. No one can take that from you. 
No one can weaken it. No one can lessen it. No one can damage it. You pay attention to that passage that Isaiah read in First Peter. And this is part of what he talks about there. Because it comes from the strength and grace of God. Jesus told us in John chapter 10, he said, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. They didn't buy it. They didn't earn it. I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. How many people? No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Not some. He's greater than all the things you're facing. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Nothing you're facing is stronger than God. Nothing that comes up against you is stronger than God. Nothing that that you're going to no one is able to snatch them out of your father's hand. Your relationship with God is paramount to being content. It is paramount to being content. Did you notice what he said in verse 10 again? I rejoice what? In the Lord. That at least you, now you have finally renewed your concern for me. I rejoice in the Lord. It's that relationship with God is paramount. Paul gave thanks for the relationship we had with the Philippians. You know, and we can rejoice in the relationships we have with people. But you know what? People are fickle, including us. You know, including us. Those relationships we have with, with people, they can weaken, they can lessen, they can be damaged. That's why our contentment needs to be anchored in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I rejoice in the Lord. He used you, Philippians, to encourage me. But it's anchored in the Lord. It needs to be anchored in that relationship with Christ. Paul was arrested. He was being transferred to Rome. And when he was being transferred to Rome, a storm hit the ship. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 27. He says, for many days, neither sun... Picture this. I'm not a boat guy. You know, I'm not. And, uh, you know, if, if you've ever been out on a storm... I've had two occasions to be out on, on a storm. Well, okay, three. To be out on a, yeah, the third one was a, really, uh, the, 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 the first one was when I was a kid and didn't know any better. Uh, but I was on a, I, I went on a, a, a trip from Chicago. We sailed up around part, not sailed, we were on a 42 foot Chris craft, uh, you know, with, uh, my brother-in-law's parents, uh, took took me along with them on this trip and we're going up along lake michigan it was really cool and we're out there this one day and we were traveling with another another boat and uh, both of them have you know these 42 foot it's not huge but it's not little and um, you're not going to pull it around behind your car but at any rate we're traveling with these boats and swells i would call them waves came up on uh, on lake michigan lake michigan's a pretty big puddle of water And like we're going, I, I, I can't tell if we're going forward or not. I mean, it's all water around me. It all looks the same, you know, but it feels like we're not going anywhere as we're going up the hill, you know, and then you go over when you go down. When we were at the bottom, when we were at the bottom of these swells and, uh, and the boat ahead of us was at the bottom of these swells, I couldn't even see the antennas sticking up on, on their boat. So I don't know how big that was, but, uh, I was, I know I was really glad to get to shore. 
And that was before, you know, my balance and all this stuff was challenged. And another time, my buddy and I went fishing down in North Carolina. Uh, that's where he's from. And so we were down there and we were fishing on this lake. And all this, this storm came in, like, really quickly. And, and we, we had a little rowboat with a motor. And so he fires that baby up and we're tearing off across the lake trying to, you know, trying to get back without getting struck by lightning. And I thought, I may as well lay down. You know, no sense both of us getting hit and he'll be taller than me. Uh, <laughs> seemed good. Wasn't looming a boat. So we both have been in crispy critters. So I lay down in the front of this boat and he's in the back and stuff is flying out of the, out of the boat. There go the lures. There go all the, you know, some articles of clothing. They'd, you know, it's just, again, I was so glad to get back. And then a few years ago, we went, uh, we're up, uh, we went to, uh, um, you know, across the water in Lake Erie. Yeah. We took the ferry. Oh man. <laughs> what happened is we were on the, after our ferry docked, we were the last one. They canceled all the ferries. These things are going to the point of, all of the adults in our group, you know, our whole family was there. Um, Marcy's looking to where the life vests are, you know, and, and everybody else is looking for things. And I'm looking, thinking, well, I'm going to die. You know, that's, they can all swim better than me. And I want them to save the kids. I'm going to die. And, well, it's okay. It was a fun vacation. You know, and um, so you know, what, he, what, he's, what he's talking about, what he, what he, you know, what he's talking about, you know, being, being content. When he's talking about being on this storm in the ship. Not my favorite place. Okay, so anyway, many days, I was in Atlanta for a few hours. Many days, the sun and the storm didn't appear. A severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope we would be saved was disappearing. That was me on the ferry. Huh. Ship's going to go down. All these cars are going to take it to the bottom. Me too. And, you know, we did make sure. We moved over you know, to make sure we were at seats where we'd, we'd be out of here, baby. You know, we could be off this boat. But anyway, uh, all hope was disappearing. Since many were going out without food, Paul stood up among them and said, I like this. You men should have, <laughs> you should have listened. You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. Not much courage not much not much encouragement here if you're telling me i'm in the middle of this storm and we're going to lose the boat i am not being encouraged here so far paul you know you, you know take courage none of you can be lost only the ship and the rest of you will be in the water for this night an angel of god of the god i belong to and serve stood by me and said don't be afraid uh, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way he told me. However, we must run aground on this, on a certain island. Yep. Okay, so they're out there and they're on this ship. And I am not encouraged, baby, because you told me we we're going to lose the boat. You know, you told me we were going to lose, but notice, notice what he's saying here. You know, all hope, they lost all hope, you know, that, that they would be saved. It was disappearing. It was being gone. Paul stands up to encourage him and says, don't worry about it. The ship's going to sink. Not real encouraging, but notice, notice what, what Paul says, you know, right, right there. It's still on the screen for you in verse 25. He says, why? Because I believe 
God. And it will be just the way he said. It will be just the way he said. Contentment is needs to be anchored in your relationship with Jesus. I rejoiced in the Lord that you Philippians have paid attention. That you Philippians have remembered me. I rejoice in the Lord, he says. Over and over. This is, that is not a compromise at all. That's starting at the top. That's not compromising anything. That's starting at the top. You know, being content is also not being complacent. Part of what it means to be content is that you stop overlooking and ignoring what you already have. You stop overlooking where you already are. And I think part of it is that you realize the cost of having something different is much higher than the reward of the supposed contentment. That's not really what it seems to be on the surface. Just look around your garage at all the stuff you bought because you think it was going to help you make content, make you feel content, make you feel better. Open your closet and see how many articles of clothing still have a price tag on them. Just a thought for you there. Being content, it's active. It's not complacent. A little bit later in Acts chapter 27, uh, we see the contentment from a relationship with God as well as how that relationship, you know, with others. In this case, their relationship with Paul, they were real glad that Paul was there. He doesn't sit back in complacency. He says, when it was about daylight, Paul urged all of them to take food, saying, today's the 14th day that you've been waiting and going without food and have eaten nothing. That's a long time in the storm. Two weeks in this storm. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he broke it, he began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. And all 276 of us were on the ship. What did he do? He gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and they all became encouraged. I have learned, I have learned to be content. That means I have learned it by experience. That's what that word means. I have learned it, you know, it's to learn something by experience. Learning to be content is a little bit like riding a bicycle. You know what? You're probably going to crash and you may may even get hurt before you you get the hang of it. And then even sometimes after you get the hang of being content, and it'll be just like with riding a bike, you get a little little less attentive and and things, and and you fall and wipe out. I remember we used to go bike riding a lot when we first moved here and uh, because it was cheap entertainment. And so we're out bike riding and Dave and... David Cheryl's family was with us and we're all riding and, and the kids are riding with us and we're coming out of out of Sweeney Park up the back road and we do we pull up we we pull up uh, you know onto the sidewalk because it's a, a, the street and the cars are coming Jeff hit a little bit of gravel and stuff Je- their son Jeff yours and the bike slid out from underneath him and bam down he goes on the ground and Dave pulled up compassionate as can be said well what did you learn laughter he won't live that one down. He's, he's heard about that for 28 years now. Well, what did you learn? He said to Jeff. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you learn, you learn this stuff by experience. And we are going to mess up sometimes, you know, and, and, and sometimes you'll just get blindsided by something you didn't even expect, you know, and it'll be there. Get back up. Get back up. Being content is not escapism. It's not ignoring the struggle. Being content is an abiding peace and confidence in the midst of a struggle. 
in the midst of the struggle. Confidence because we know Jesus never forsakes those who have a relationship with him. You know, and, and we know he'll never give us a stone when we need a fish. Matthew chapter 7. What man among you, if his son asks for, asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give, give good things to those who ask him? I have learned to be content. Content. You know, that, it was interesting. That word means contained, self-sufficient. It was a word used by the Stoics at the time, meaning that, that showed, I don't need anything. And, and in their minds, even God, you see, they didn't even need God. They were looking at it as, you know, they were totally self-sufficient. Paul's using the word here to describe a life that is independent of circumstances, but a life that is steadily fixed on God. Paul is using their own phrase to show them that they needed to be, to have a life that was fixed on God. Not riding the waves of, the waves of highs where everything is good and then crashing to the lows and bemoaning that God is uncaring and unattentive and he must not even see me here. Instead, it's a life that is steadily fixed on God because a person who has a relationship with God is secure within himself and all that that relationship means. Contentment is a great feeling. It's a great place to be. And we often lack contentment because we've elevated our wants to the level of needs in our thinking, at least for a time. What we need, what we need is food, shelter, and clothing. What we want is more food, better clothing, and larger, and larger shelter. That's what, we, that's what we want, and it's, it's not necessarily wrong to want those things. But I would say it is wrong to allow the want for those things, to allow the want for, for more and for better and for bigger things, to have that be what's driving you, to have that what's being the deciding factor in your living, to have those be what, what, you know, what your contentment hangs on. That type of living of going for more and for better and for bigger actually breeds discontent, the opposite of what you want. And, you know, you will never learn to be content while you're feeding your discontentment. Paul learned to live not as a victim of circumstance, but as a victor over circumstance. He learned to be content. We can learn to live not as a victim of circumstance, but as a victor over circumstance. Paul's happiness didn't depend on circumstances or things. He was in jail. His joy came from something deeper, from something you know, that's something apart from either his pro- poverty or, proster- or prosperity that he talks about here. His life was steadily fixed on God. And if we choose between having a little or having a lot, we always want a lot because we just think a lot's better, you know, more, more is better. Having a lot can be a problem, and it can be one that we can't very easily handle. The result should be that we want to be content. Proverbs chapter 30 says, a great prayer. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither prosperity nor, excuse me, give me neither pro- poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Why? Otherwise, 
I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. The goal is God's honor, not my comfort. It's God's honor. When we have a lot, you know what we do? We begin to depend on what we have rather than depend on God. If we depend on the money in the bank, we depend on the stuff piled up, it would begin to, it's a form of idolatry and the idol is self. Learning to be content and then hanging on to remain content through the highs and lows of life is beyond our self. That's why he says in verse 13, I am able to do all things through him. I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens. The word means, it means to render or to make strong. That God is the one who makes us strong. It's a personal connection with Jesus. That's the first step to being truly content. To being truly content. And it's our relationship with Jesus that will be the source of true and lasting contentment. Lasting contentment is only found in a relationship with Jesus where we are secure and trusting in him and his strengthening us. It is a dependence upon him. I rejoice in the Lord. The best we can get on our own gets very quickly muddled when we go through the highs and lows of life. It was good for the Philippians to share in Paul's hardship because God most often works through people, even today. He most often works through people. And you are one of the people that God wants to work through in the lives of others. Now, it's good to respond to God rather than responding to people. Remember that. You respond to God rather than responding to people. You follow God and how he wants you to respond to people. We have people that come all the time. You know, next Sunday we're going to have communion. We're going to take a benevolent offering. We have people come all the time that want us to help them on their terms. We are committed to try to help people on God's terms and how he directs us. So don't respond to their situation. Respond to God. Give help because God tells you to. Not based on your estimation of the genuineness of the need or not, but because God tells you. We'll get it wrong sometimes. We will get it wrong sometimes, but God will never get it wrong. Look at your outline real quick and just let me pull all of our points together. There's too many of them this this week. Let me just pull them together to you in, in three statements. And they're a little bit longer, which is why they weren't the main points. Being content is a learning process that shows you have realized the worth of what you have and where you are. And being content is anchored in your relationship with Jesus that allows you to be confident in the midst of any struggle because your life is fixed on God. And know that God wants to work through you. Which brings us closer to where we started. Seize the opportunity to show you care. And then you will, you will find yourself learning contentment and you will rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray.